Welcome to Breaking the Underdog Curse for Chiropractors. I'm your host, Dr. Don McDonald, author of the best-selling book, The Underdog Curse. We give vitalistic chiropractors a chance to learn from the best around the world, discovering how they overcame their challenges and achieved success. In order for chiropractic to thrive, we must have thriving chiropractors. Now listen up, it's time to crush the curse. Hello, podcast listeners. This is Dr. Don coming to you, and I got something a little bit special for you today. Um, we have a bunch of Facebook Lives that we have done for our group in the Vitality Shift, and I thought maybe I'd share one with you um, and let me know if you uh, enjoy this. Uh, reach out to me on Facebook or uh, drdonmcdonald.com and let me know if you enjoy this format, and maybe I'll share a few more examples. Uh, this is an example of a friend of ours who was going on a ketosis diet, and she was uh, learning about uh, peeing on sticks and how to to do objective findings and it just made us kind of come up with the idea of why is it so important to do objective findings. So here's a little clip of us doing a Facebook Live for our Vitality Shift community and uh, I hope you enjoy. Well, I had this revelation talking to her yesterday and we were talking about this on the walk and I was like, oh, this is good. We gotta go on the Vitality Shift and talk about this. So um, so she's, so my girl, this is my best friend and she's had two kids and they're now almost five and three, which is unbelievable. Um, so imagine like, imagine a chiropractic family, only she's not a chiropractor. Um, they've raised their kids as if they were in the chiro uh, chiropractor. It's been really cool. I've known her for like probably 15 years. Uh, met her husband after, you know. We approved of him. We approved of him. Before she started dating him. They had a really cool, they really, really interesting study of uh, parents who, Again, remember, like she doesn't come to seminars, you know, this is just by hanging out with us and talking to us. And one of the things, of course, early on for her was vaccinations and the husband hadn't really heard about it. And so fast forward, I mean, she ends up having these kids, they're hypnobirthed and water birthed and checked at birth. And we were supposed to be there, but we were away and birth culture. And were there on the second one? No, not during the birth process. Well, but we were there, like, I checked in, like, so, four hours. So, you know, after. just, so that's who they are. Pretty cool. But she's had some struggles post her kids losing weight. And now it's been long enough post kids, post breastfeeding, that really at this point she should be able to work out as she is. Her adrenals are fine, and she should be able to lose weight. And so, oh, excellent. Coffee town. So what happened with her was... Um, she finally saw a naturopath and she wanted to get some adrenal testing done. She gets it done. It all comes back normal. Everything is normal. So the That's naturopath says to her, um, you know what? It's diet. And I was like, Whoa. so he says, you really, what's going on for you is all about your diet. And so he, so he says, I want you to put, put you on a ketogenic diet. So this is now he's not selling anything like any of the drinks or whatever ketones. else ketones are. It's just literally a ketogenic diet. So as she's explaining this diet to me, I'm like, basically it's how I eat, <laughs> but it's basically a bodybuilding diet. Imagine a bodybuilding diet with fat and good fat, but like a lot of different fat though. Mm -hmm. And so imagine like there's a certain amount of protein, there's a certain amount of uh, vegetables. She could only get really her carbohydrates from vegetables. No kidding. She, uh, no, not even complex carbs at this point for her. Like, so no brown rice or sweet potato or quinoa and fat um, and whole fats, right? So anyway, so she's explaining all this to me and I was like, okay, well, that's great. It's, so she's lost six, already six pounds and she's all excited. But here, probably just water. Yeah, yeah, like it's only been six days. It's inflammation, yeah. So here's the interesting thing about it. What she's doing every day, she's peeing on a stick. And she pees on this stick, at, or whatever, a strip. 
And it, based on the color of the strip, tells her whether she's moving towards ketosis. So she is not there yet. And so every day, every day at a certain time she does this and she looks at where she is on this particular, uh, whatever ketosis strip that she's peeing on. And so she's talking about this last night and, and she has an app and she's tracking all her food and you know, so it's great. It's all, all good things. But this morning I said to Dawn, I said, it's so funny that this is her thing. She's super excited about it. And this ketosis strip thing is, is really the thing that she's using the most. And I was like, oh my God, it's an objective finding. I said that. <laughs> oh my God. It's an objective finding for her. And so here's why. The reason that that diet, this particular thing she's on, and the strips are so important, it has nothing to do with whether she's in ketosis or not. What it's doing is it's keeping her on track because two thirds of the world cannot delay gratification without having an in the moment response that this is working. I'm like, oh my God, that's why we're doing objective findings in chiropractic. Because the thing is, so beyond all the reasons we have those clinically, the thing is that well, a lot of you that are in the shift have seen me do the talk on don't eat the marshmallow, where I've sort of taken that and I've talked about it regarding chiropractic. And we know that we're wired, two thirds of us are wired, we're wired that way. Culture, not just culturally, but as the human condition to not delay gratification, probably because our brains are wired for survival. So there's an immediate response that we that our brains are sort of wired to do, but that sort of transcends not just survival, it also then looks at the way that we live our life, the way we make decisions, and it's not just the culture of North America where it's quick, that doesn't help, it's everywhere in the world. It does make sense though, because if you're in the fight or flight response, yeah. if you're in a hunter-gatherer days, and there's something that will give you gratification, like food or something, you should eat it right now. Totally. Because you might not be there later. Totally. So that's a survival mechanism, which is actually good if you're in the fight or flight mode. And it's hardwired. Yeah. And so when they, when, if you don't know that study, it's a study done at Stanford with a bunch of kids, it's a longitudinal study. And when they found that this, these kids, if they sat for so many minutes and they didn't eat the one marshmallow, they would get another marshmallow. And most of the kids could, they just, like right away. The kids who waited, down the road, they went 18 years later and looked at the kids, and 100% of the kids, the statistics were crazy, 100% of them were way more successful in all of these areas of quality of life than the kids who couldn't wait. And so, in chiropractic, so as she's talking about these ketogenic strips that she's peeing on, I was like, to Dawn, I said, so it's so interesting because the things like that that are so important to people, that they love, for her it's not the diet she loves, is they can't wait long enough for the physiological change of changing her diet. Because in order for her to lose the weight that she needs to lose, in her mind she's like, well once I get to ketosis, then I'm gonna like dramatically lose my weight. But she's not there yet, obviously, but she's still super dedicated to the mission. Why? Because in those little strips, the colors change. So they move her somehow, like she, she can see how she's progressing along these little strips, whether the body is doing what it's supposed to do as she's changing her food. But that has nothing to do with her weight loss. But she's super excited to check. Yeah. She's super excited to go in the bathroom. She goes, it's kind of exciting. It's kind of like when I was trying to get pregnant. Yes. So she's objectively checking that because it's keeping her a oh sort God, of, I'm gonna get that I don't know what's wrong with our alarm system. That's driving us crazy. <laughs> we have like a rogue alarm system and it keeps beeping at it. We're not sure why. So anyways, it's keeping her on track, but she hasn't lost the weight. So if you sort of 
look at that as an analogy for what we're doing in our offices. A huge component of having objective findings in the office is really helping people delay the gratification of when they're gonna feel better. Because what happens is they can't wait that long. And frankly, a whole percentage of us also can't. You know, we had a young guy, our young associate the other day said to Dr. Donnie, I've got the seven year old in our office and you know, he's got this disc, ear, disc thing and he's you know, still kind of nothing's really changed. And Don's like, what are you doing, dude? He's like, what, what are, you, are you treating his pain or his condition of disc stuff? You, how can you do that? And you've got to objectively show people that we have no idea. See, the thing is, we have no idea if they're going to feel better. Just like she has no idea she's going to lose weight. But what she does know, here's what she knows unequivocally. She knows that she follows the diet. And she knows that she objectively tests and watches her body move towards a process where she's going to start to burn fat, right? And use more complex carbohydrates rather than quick sugars. She knows that she follows that consistently, she will lose weight. She doesn't know that for sure. All she knows is what she can do. It's the same in our practice. We do not know if somebody is going to actually feel better. But we do know if they follow the plan consistently and we objectively show them that the body is responding 100% of the time, they're more likely to hang in there. And yes, you know what? Most of the time, guess what happens? Just like she's probably gonna lose weight, but they're probably gonna feel better. Well, and I think too, that's the whole thing. She tries to get to ketosis, then she'll get the end result, which is starting to lose weight. Our goal is we wanna get them more parasympathetic because when they stay parasympathetic, the body functions at a higher level. So it's the same thing. And the longer we keep you parasympathetic, the more likely we're gonna end up getting those results in your health. The longer she stays ketosis, the longer she's gonna be able to get that result. Whatever it is that she's looking for. Yeah. And so it was just, it was such an interesting uh, story because I was like, oh my God, that's what, they're, that's what it is. And it really, listening to her talk had less to do about the weight loss. That, that was the end game for her. And more to do about what she's vigilantly doing every single day. Because of course she wants to lose weight in the future. But really her vigilance and her food and peeing on these sticks are, are probably the most important thing to her right now. When I think too, um, we talked about it when we did our webinar, the, uh, the project based, we talked about inputs. Yeah. Now she's controlling the inputs because the output of losing weight or whatever that response is, you don't really have control over that, but you have control over how often you pee on a stick. Yeah. What do you have for breakfast? You how are you tracking it? Like, what do you, and then she was going out for dinner last night. So she, she banked some calories and she banked some fats and stuff that she could actually have going out that night. So that's, a, that's amazing. So in our, in our practices, if you think about it, people, when people are starting to get frustrated, a huge part of the objective findings, like I said, it is actually a communication tool for you. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to reframe people's belief system about healing and what that actually means. And not just how long it takes, because that is, that's frustrating for people. Like, yes, they, it's going to take months, maybe years, but what they really want to know is they really want to know in the moment, what can they do? Cause remember people can't delay gratification. So you've got to remember people. And by the way, two thirds of you can't delay gratification. So you actually, just like our associate are actually going to get frustrated because you then are thinking to yourself, like people, they should be feeling better. Why aren't they feeling better? I see this all the time in the insight, uh, closed group for the scan chiropractors are like, We've, I've been doing this for this long and there's no results and the scans look like this. And they and should I, look like and this. And they should look like this or why don't they look like this? Yeah. 
That's because we can't delay gratification. So we don't know what our inputs are. And we don't also know objectively on a visit by visit basis. So take away the months, years, weeks, visit by visit in the moment, objectively, you gotta develop something that you can show somebody that in the moment that they're on your table post an adjustment, just like she pees on the stick, that the body is in that parasympathetic state and that we just need to sustain that state long enough so the body does. Now, that's why people leave, by the way, because when we used to say when they, they don't get results, they leave, in their mind, it's not fast enough. If you reframe that, it's because they can't delay gratification. That's actually why they're leaving you. They cannot wait long enough and they're frustrated. And my guess is if you were to know them outside of the one linear experience of your office, you would find that their whole life is like that. Let's talk about uh, that teacher this week. Which one? With the hip that has been... Oh, that's a good one. So we had a, we had a, a Prax member come to us probably in about May last year. I might have talked to her. I can't remember if we were doing live videos. We, I might have talked about this on my Facebook. She actually, she was one who was terrified of chiropractic, and her sister is a. Oh yeah, and you her did sister's the, you a did practice the member. Ninja thing in the front end. Yeah, yeah, and so her sister kept phoning the office, Brandy and Brandy, and the staff were like, "No, she's not." And I'm like, "Why is this?" And by the way, her sister is like, not ideal. No. Like comes periodically. So this is a sister who I would not say is like a shining example of who we would want in our practice. And so, but yet she kept phoning and I thought, oh, this is so bizarre. And one day I was there and she walks in with her sister, this particular practice member, and she says, this is my sister. She's terrified of chiropractic. Tell Brandy what's going on for you. And so the woman tells me, I, I, I don't know why, but I can't walk and I think I'm going to need hip surgery and I don't, can't do any activities and you, you get the picture. Can't work. On and on and on and on. So I said to her, I said, it's far more dangerous for you to not be under care than to be under care. I said, trust me, it's far more dangerous for you to leave this. I said, so if we're going to basically do kind of uh, risk reward or danger, I'm like, we're not even dangerous. I said, but you don't know that yet. You just think we are. I said, so just get checked. I said, let's just do the assessment. You can decide from there. So of course she books it right away. And I'm like, it took nothing. It took like two seconds. It was, it was quite anticlimactic. She goes under care. Interesting, takes her some period of time. Now, this is not a healthy woman, no. right? So this is not somebody who, for. who we would say, yeah, is like thriving. Although she's got a really good um, style about her, really nice personality, um, funny. funny, outgoing. She does love life. Um, she's got a lot of stuff going for her. She's got a great family dynamic. She's really close with her sister. They do a lot of, like, she's, she's, she's sort of that personality. She loves her job. It's with kids. They have a place at the lake in the summer that they hang out with. Yeah. And then her biggest complaint was they had to get a golf cart just to drive around because she couldn't walk between the houses. Yeah. So just that, that's, so anyways, so relatively quickly, she actually starts to feel better. But she's got, she's a healing archetype for us. Lots and lots and lots of so little short periods of time though, like yeah. just for a little bit and then it would come back like... But noticeable stuff though that she couldn't remember, like for example, she couldn't she couldn't bend over with the kids. She would be able to bend over. Like it's all this stuff, right? That we uh, we adapt to less than, Sleeping. and we forget. And I'm so and a huge part of outside the office that you don't know about is her sister came in and she said, you know, she's consistently saying to me, you know, like I don't know if this is working, and so now it's been over a year, and, and I'm like, really? I said, I'm so surprised by that. And her sister says. She doesn't remember what she she used to look like. She, was, she even looks different. And I keep saying to her, you look different. 
but she doesn't remember what it used to be like, which is really, really interesting. So it's been a year and last week she comes in. So she's one of our Vitality Gold people. So she comes and checked, get checked every week now and she's finished all the intensive stuff. And you know, so once a week is probably her best care frequency. Yeah. She comes in and she's like, so it's been over a year and for the first time ever, ever, I went all day without any pain in my hip. And I'm like, wow. I said, that's massive. And she said, I said, so that means it's taken us over a year for us to get you to a place where the body is in any sense of ease that it could actually do what it was supposed to do. She's like, I know, isn't that crazy? I said, think about it. I said, I said people get frustrated after three weeks of care. You had like a year. She's like, I don't know. If she only waited three weeks, she would have been done. Yeah. And she hung in there and she really only hung in there for two reasons. She hung in there because we, she objectively, we also kept measuring some of her, again, with the clinical findings, we kept measuring some of the function and we, we could see it was moving in the right direction. Yeah. Slowly. Slowly. And so we just kept saying it's moving there slowly. And the second thing is she's not one who's like, it's not working. She never said that to us. She said that to her sister. But because I know her sister said that to me, I was saying things like that to her saying, you know, one of the things we need you to do is we need you to hang in there. And also you've got to remember, you don't remember. I said, this is like childbirth. You know, this is why people have multiple children. I've not had any, but they forget. See, you should have one. You'd forget one. <laughs> Apparently it's just awesome. You just forget about all the pain. But, you know, I said, and so she started laughing because she's got three kids. And I said, you know, you can kind of logically remember it, but you don't actually sort of viscerally remember what it feels like. I said, so as the body starts to move to this new state, the other thing that happens is we, we become more hyper aware. I said, because actually when you're in the state that she was in, things are kind of shutting down. You're actually not super aware. And so your tolerance of what's happening is actually fairly high for you to survive. Now what happens is your tolerance starts to drop because your awareness of your body starts to increase. And so things that wouldn't have been a problem before start to show up and you're like, uh, but before, when you're completely disconnected, you have a higher tolerance of that because you're not as hyper aware of your physiology, which is cool because that's where healing happens, but you gotta understand that is what's, what's going on. 100%, I always say use the analogies, if 100 people are yelling at you at the same time, you can't hear any of them. And then if there's a few people talking to you, then you can hear it. And I said, that's the best. So some people say, well, I, I like to have my high pain tolerance, but that's basically like being on drugs where you can degenerate more comfortably. And, and deteriorate your health. And we wanna be more tuned into the body. I said, if you're flying an airplane and your altitude meters off by about 5,000 feet, like you might feel better about yourself because you're like, hey, it's pretty good, but I can like, better. suddenly all of a sudden, boom, the ground's gonna be right at you, right? Well, and you know, for her, it was uh, like, that's not a good thing. I mean, that's just, that's a survival thing. And so, cause that was her big thing. I have this high, high pain tolerance. And the reason it took her so long to come in is because she was just living with it from her perspective. And I'm like, that's, that's low body awareness. That's not good. I'm like, we don't not use the word high pain tolerance in our office. That's low body awareness. And that's not a good thing. That's a survival thing. And so that is how, that is how somebody comes in now when we've got all of these layers of crap that we've got to peel away before the body actually sustains that state of ease of the parasympathetic place that we want them to be in most of the time, then yes, just like peeing on the ketogenic strips that my girlfriend is doing, you do that often enough and you do it long enough 
guess what happens? The body will heal because that is how it's designed. But also you create new habit, right? We talked about uh, that interview I did on my podcast with Jay Popson. They did that uh, research. It takes 66 days on average to create a new habit. On the short term, if you're a really quick learner, that's 21 days. And I think on the far end, it's 188 days. And everybody's a little bit different. So that's those little things that can keep you going until maybe you'll actually create a new habit as far as coming into getting your spine checked or to change. And my guess is the 21 days, the 21 days are people who've learned is, is the is the one third of people who don't who know how to delay oh, yeah. gratification. Yeah. So if you have, and again, even though we're wired to not delay gratification, you can learn it. You, you will learn how to do that. A lot of us as kids, if we never had that ex experience, you do and then as an adult have to learn how to delay it. And as a chiropractor, you really have to learn how to delay it because if you put your expectations on somebody and they take you by surprise, God forbid, or it's getting frustrating for you, and then you start getting worried about it, and then you start going, well, I mean, this is what happened to us for 10 years. Well, now we maybe need to add stuff and bring stuff in and do extra stuff and send them somewhere else. And because why? Yes, there's a lack of confidence in the, in the value of the chiropractic adjustment, but there's also an inability to delay the gratification of what happens when somebody starts to heal because that makes us feel better. I mean, that's why we're doing what we're doing. We're trying to help people. But if we feel like we're not helping people and objectively you have no way to measure it, it's gonna be really difficult in practice to keep people longer than maybe 12 or 15 visits, which is the story of chiropractic around the world. And this is like this woman, it's been a year. Me, it was two years under care. So it's not, so last time we talked about my young chiropractor I was working with who personally hasn't had an experience with chiropractic and personally hasn't been under care long enough that her system's ever been in this state of ease and rest and restoration. And so how on earth is she supposed to recommend that to somebody? Like she can't. And so when she gets to that point where she recommends it, she starts to go, she said, I don't know why, but I start, it starts to feel nervous about it. And we're not, I'm not even saying like you need to do 200 visits over the next three months, like just something more than a few visits at a time, but you can only do that if you have objective findings. It's always hard to recommend stuff more than you've ever done. It's hard to charge someone more than you've ever paid for something. And it's hard to recommend care more than you've ever been under care yourself. And that's why we always say you would be the best, you should be the best practice member in your office because you should hold the, the standard and, and say like, this is what I do and that's what I recommend. So, you know, you wouldn't want to be like a, a, a chiropractor that gets checked once a month, but then they're recommending once a week because then that's incongruent. Yeah. But you also don't want to be a chiropractor getting checked once a week and you're recommending once a month. Well, but uh, As a unless you are like a upper cervical technique, I don't know anybody who gets checked once a month. Most people, when I go around the world and I ask in my seminars, the frequency of checks for them and their family, it's weekly. And at the far end, it might be every two weeks. Yet, we've already talked about this in the vitality shift, what we do is what we used to do is we like, well, the pinnacle then is that somebody starts to do really well at a certain frequency. People don't, cannot, generally people will not sustain three or four times a week for the rest of their life, let's be honest. It's just not gonna happen, but neither do we. So what is realistic for people is to try and mirror a little bit. And by the way, we have a lifestyle that supports that. And so the way I, I, I tell our practice members, I'm like the higher octane your life is, the more you get checked. I have a high octane life, so I do get checked more. 
And, and by high octane life, yes, I live a pretty vigilant lifestyle, but I have a high octane, I'm going a lot, I'm working a lot, I teach, I run three businesses, I have the practice, I have this guy I have to take care of. <laughs> That's so, like a pleasure. <laughs> you should ask for honor. That's the promise of all the praise. Oh my God. I'm the promise. Oh God. So all of that, right? So it just... You have to you have to know that, but if you're going to be confident in the recommendation, you also have to be confident in the objectivity of showing somebody again the value of care at, and the value of their system staying in that state. But somebody has to be able to see it, feel it, or experience it. So that is what those when my girlfriend was talking about those strips, that is what's happening for her. She's seeing it. She's not necessarily feeling it, but she's experiencing it right now. So she's like seeing the way that those, that color is changing. And so she knows her input in is providing this output out. That's what we need to learn to do in chiropractic. That and believe is what we're doing in the vitality shift is showing people that yes, despite how they feel, we are consistently putting the input in and it's working all the time, whether they think it is or not. And the more difficult the person is in understanding that, the more vigilant you have to be in your ob objective showing for them and helping them experience the fact that every time you're putting that input in, there is a response. And that's the response we're looking for. And clinically, that's why it's so important we develop the hierarchy, the, the sort of the healing archetypes, because we also gotta know clinically if they're healing archetype four, um, like for example, I was talking to our associate and he said, um, you know, this person was delayed. So I feel like I need to get in there deeper. I need to get, maybe get in there and move some more stuff. But if they're a healing archetype four, they can't handle that. Yeah. And then that means we have to be more patient, yeah. which that means we have to like educate them and we have to like pre-frame it for them, right? So if you're dealing with a healing archetype two compared to healing archetype four, we, that, we have to like, you know, that's our expectations that we have to adjust as well. So be a little bit like my analogy, if you joined us late, if you, if you are coming on now, my analogy early on about my girlfriend peeing on these ketogenic, these ketosis strips, is that if you, if you are, if your diet, or if her diet outside of, of, of this before she started, you know, she's, she's not 300 pounds, but let's pretend you are, versus somebody like Dawn and I, mm -hmm. the, the chances of us being in ketosis quicker yeah, way faster. is way faster. So she's like, I've been doing this for seven days, but I haven't yet hit ketosis yet, right? So that's one of the things for her to, like it's gonna take her longer than say somebody like us, who already basically, we don't call it that, but basically eat very similarly. Um, I have no idea if I've been in ketosis or not. You know what I mean? Like, I have no idea. But just that's part of what she's understanding is it's gonna take her longer because she's never done it before. She has this history now over the last five years of getting into these habits of the way that she eats. And so all of those things are really new to her and it is taking her longer. And so when I asked, I said, well, how long does the naturopath think that's gonna take for you to get there? And she's like, he doesn't know because it's different for everybody. I'm like, oh. And I said, so how do you feel about that? She's like, yeah, she goes, I understand that. So that's the thing. See, in chiropractic, that's why we had the vitality shift because we didn't understand that. It's different for everybody. So now if you're in that state where you can't delay gratification and you're expecting fast results and treating everybody the same, and treating everybody the same you're frustrated as a chiropractor. Mm -hmm. And the people that are coming to see you are frustrated. And you actually can't tell. Over time, you probably can start to begin to tell. That's why the healing archetypes are so important. But you know, I had a coaching client and I asked him, I said, 
one of the things I wanted him, if he watches this, he'll know, and I, I hope he doesn't mind me using this example. He's a Brit, so this is one of the words that, that he uses, which I can't, which I said, you gotta kill that word. He said, you might react to the adjustment. So as I listened to his reported findings, that was his reaction was his word. Mike, you gotta kill that word. I said, oh, are they, re are they react? I said, listen, I'm gonna tell you what I react to. Um, shellfish. So if I have crab or lobster and it touches me, I have a reaction. Do you suppose in my brain, I think that crab or shellfish is a good thing when I have a reaction to it? No. I have a reaction when someone punches me in the face. <laughs> I do have a reaction. I have a reaction when somebody calls it manipulation or treatment. I have a reaction. I have a reaction when someone calls it uh, treatment <laughs> yeah. uh, or, uh, or treating. So yeah. it's just, so I said, you got, there was, there's a response. So let's just talk about the response. Now, can you tell, I said, whose response might be, what he's trying to get to with somebody is that post an adjustment, they're gonna be stiff or sore, right? Those are your healing archetype fours, maybe threes. So I said, what the response, maybe not what they think it's gonna be. So perhaps you're going to put an input in and all of a sudden, all those muscles that have not fired before because the nerves have not fired to them, start to light up. Similar As we to fire like, up that first level of hierarchy. Get that start moving the spine moving. and all of a sudden the muscles go, oh, well hello. I haven't done that for a long time. I've never seen you for a while. I said, similar to, you know, if I take you to the gym, you've never done squats and I load on a rack and I make you do 10 squats, how are you gonna feel the next day? Oh, hello muscles. Oh, hello Bob, I never felt that before. That's a response, it's not a reaction. And I said, so if you can tell who those people are, then those are the only ones you're going to say anything to. I said, so can you tell? And he said, no. So I said to Don, I said, so if you were to tell a young doc how you can tell, what would you tell them? Who those people are? Well, it goes on their history, right? And it goes on their objective findings as well. Mm -hmm. Well, which is exactly what we were saying. We, we want to kind of find out what's their what's their uh, uh, chiropractic love language. We want to find out what their history is. We want to see what their HRV would be. No, but what do they things. feel like on the table? Oh, they're like super rigid. So, um, I would find what's their tone? Yeah, they're like insanely tight. They don't move very well. I, I don't know. You just that that tissue tone. It's hard to get the rapport with that. So like if you're to set up, say on a cervical, there's no way, like you just laterally bend them and try to get them into that position where you do an, a, a cervical, um, they won't even let you get in on that. Because um, they'll guard it. They'll 100% guard it, yeah. So if you're not aware of that. Uh, another good thing too is all you gotta do is just do light pressure on those thoracics. So you just go down the thoracic spine and do some pressure. And you just if you just push in slightly and all of a sudden they like, they block guard so bad, those that's a huge indicator. Put him in side posture. Try to try to like hold that position and just try to see if you can get them to relax and they can never relax. That's another one that they're going to be probably feeling archetype for. Just the tissue tone. It's hard. It's hard to get tissue rapport, which means we balance how much pressure we're pushing on on how much they're pushing back. But if they're pushing back, if they're over overbearing on on uh, tissue rapport, overbearing us, that is a healing archetype for. And you then put input in. Yeah, you gotta like even go higher, so you gotta like rail them, and then you go, wow, I wonder why they're so sore. <laughs> it doesn't go well, and and people, and, and so if you all, I'm sure all of us, most have had people leave because they thought they were hurt. And in fact, what's really interesting is that uh, both in the UK and also in Alberta, when we've talked to people who are responsible for complaints against practitioners, 
communication is the number one complaint and it, it is the fact that they thought they were hurt. And the number one malpractice is they were hurt. They were, and by hurt, I don't mean cracked ribs and I don't mean anything like that. I mean this. They were sore. They were sore. And so, because they didn't understand and the practitioner didn't understand who was on the table. And that's then the response and even, you know, Dawn does some tonal stuff and even with some of the tonal stuff, these folks yeah. get dizzy and don't feel, right? And so you got to know who that is because you've got to pre-frame that that's probably that input in. If it's too much, what's going to happen? They're going to have a response. So I always pre-frame you before the first visit, especially if I'm thinking they're uh, healing archetype four. I'm like, you know, it's going to take me probably about three to four visits to figure out the amount of tension or pressure that I can use on you. Yeah. Because some people I can barely touch them and they're jumping off the table. And other people I can jam my elbow in their spine and they're like, are you even touching me? And and every single practice member like goes, yeah, I totally understand. I said, it's just like if I'm a personal trainer and I'm gonna take you to the gym, I need, I need, I can use my hypothesis to figure out approximately how much you could lift without overdoing it. But we still need to try it a bit. We do this and it's a little bit too much, we can decrease it a bit. We try that, it was fine, we can kind of increase it a bit. But like we need to kind of be able to figure out what that tissue pressure would be depending on the, the person. And everybody's different. Everybody. Yeah, and everybody's different. So I think that's just important from the perspective of, we talked about the objectivity. It, it's not the same for everybody, but you've got to be able to show them and, and show them an experience so that they understand that. Another huge thing would be, when again, you'll probably just understand this as it makes sense, is if they're really physically active and they work out and they lift weights and they do all kinds of stuff and they have pretty good muscle tone, if they're, then, you know, then they can sometimes move into that healing archetype three, right? Where they're like super stressed out, but they still keep pretty active and, and their reserves are really low. Um, those people can handle more because they have better tissue tension, but it's usually the one like the sedentary ones. Mm -hmm. um, but sedentary ones, I always, I always tease people. I say, you can basically get up and walk across the room and be stiff because they're so shaky. Yeah, totally. And like, so, and clinically, like with the objective findings, the reason I wanted Don to explain what they feel like is because yesterday we had a new woman in like a tr like unbelievable so anyway she comes in and she's like got to be in her 53 oh my god well she looks, she looks like she's 75 so imagine she basically if she keeps going she's gonna have dropped head syndrome so she's here right huge thoracic hump right she comes in and somebody refers her because She's dizzy all the time. <clears throat> She's unstable on her feet. She has light sensitivity, so she has a hard time going from inside to outside. Like, just like crazy. She did all the neurological tests, like with the neurologist. It's all fine. She did, like, this whole vestibular thing, like the spinning guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all of that. Yeah. But a lot of her objective findings, and when we did the CLA substation, they look okay, other than her balance. Oh, four, baby. So that alone is not going to necessarily give you an indication that she's not going to have a response post the adjustment. And so that's, and I don't know what she would have felt like. Uh, well, she just, yeah, she didn't have very good tissue tone. She's like concrete. Yeah. I imagine her like she looks like you see this little ball. It's like oh, this is such a nice little ball. It's not so bad. And then as soon as you start doing it, all of a sudden you go, oh, oh this is a hornet's nest. <laughs> So you just want and if you're to not careful, you're going to kick it. Exactly. And so you just want to go crazy. So I, again, super light stuff. And then you will slowly work into that. Because I had another concussion, uh, the concussion yeah. one too, where she had such a bad concussion that she couldn't even work. She's a nurse, had a year off work, totally sensitivity to light, noise. Like she comes in the office, 
Uh, we have to tell the kids to be quiet because she's like so sensitive. And uh, yeah, and I've got to use super light uh, technique, like a tonal technique. And uh, we were, we were probably three weeks in and, yep. and she's already like, eyes are more open, like all that stuff. We just gotta. gotta and go. you just gotta find ways to show them. So I think that's the key about when I'm saying the objective findings, not just, not just the chiropractic vital signs, but a way in which they experience it, particularly when you start to get that feeling, you know, ah, oh, they're, they're got, starting to get frustrated or you feel like you're starting to get frustrated, then you need to have ways like in the moment, just like she's peeing on the strip, to go, okay, we're still moving in the right direction. Because you're always gonna be moving in the right direction. As long as they're face down on your table, you're moving in the right direction. Okay, that's our time. We did yeah, a long one today. I think so. Thanks for watching. Let us know if you Nobody guys Nobody commented quiet. today. What about the love hearts? Where's oh, all God. of our hearts? You, well, I like the hearts. Oh, elbows me. I'm like, shh. I like the hearts. <laughs> so let us know if you have questions. Hopefully that was helpful. It just really stuck out for me last night when she was talking that that's, that's really what we're doing. And and in the moment, oh, there it is. Oh, I can't you. see who that is, but oh, it's Max. Max, Max thanks, Max. You're such, you're such, <laughs> you're I such, appreciate it, brother. Oh, that was really nice. I get to interview Max on Friday. For awesome. The, so let us know if you have any questions. Let us help you. Hope your weekend's going amazing. We'll see you next week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you receive value from this episode, please take some time to rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite place to listen to podcasts. If you know a fellow chiropractor that could benefit from this message, please share it with them. Because it's my goal to provide you with great content, please contact me if you have any questions at drdonmcdonald.com or find me on Facebook. I look forward to hearing from you. So until next time, Dr. Don out.